Austria. Are you ready? This is Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast, your first stop for everything professional wrestling. So sit back and enjoy wrestling talk at its finest with your hosts, Larry Hall and Joe Corrado. Hey everybody, your host Larry Hall, one half of Brotherly Love Wrestling, and to come to you today, we wanted to put this out, this is our 200th episode, but we wanted a little message before. First of all, we wanted to thank everybody and anyone who listens to our show, because without any of you, it's just me and Joe sitting here talking about wrestling, which we do all the time anyway, but for people who actually want to hear it, stumps us almost every single time we see anybody download or listen to our show. So first of all, thank you so much. A couple people we wanted to thank before we get into this episode. Our first ever guest, Ron Starr. Our buddy across the pond, Eggie, who one of our first listeners and uh, still sticks with us. We couldn't do this show, literally could not do this show without our producer and our really good friend, Bill Fry, who countless times has saved our ass and made it sound a lot better than it would have sounded if it was just for me and Joe. So, Bill, we thank you all the time as well, but thank you once again. From people like JB down in Florida, Martha Lee, Scott Rand, you guys always contribute, always help us, always listen, so we appreciate that. And as far as all our guests we had, and including two of our most important guests, and now we like to think, well we like to think we're friends, is Hale Collins, Vic Delicious, the now. They've been huge in helping us. We thank them, guys. They are the best. Uh, but not only just wrestlers, I mean, we've had a ton of guests, which all of them we couldn't do without because, well, they give the clout for people to actually listen to us to. So any and all guests that we possibly have had on, we couldn't do without them as well. But it's the promotions that have backed us and helped us out and got these guests for you guys to listen to from the Shakara slash Leapfrog family, all the wrestlers, Chris Levin, everybody over there, they've helped us out huge. So from them to PWE, our first ever sponsorship, Pizza Party Wrestling, who we also were able to sponsor and, and help us out a lot, Black Wrestlers Matter, who we love over there and love helping out, and in turn, they help us. Um, there's so many people that we want to thank, but we're going to try and keep this show a little short. So thank you, everybody and anybody, and especially to our wives, who give us the opportunity to just be jackasses and don't care that we put this show on. And we couldn't do it without the support of our wives. So we thank them always, of course. So let's get into our 200th episode. One little disclaimer before we get started. We had a little audio issue, and it wouldn't be our show if everything went off without a hitch. So our guest today is Tony Deppin, and we will get into that interview right now. But just to let you know, there is a little bit of an audio glitch in the show, and you'll hear it when it starts. Tony sounds like he's in a really, really big room with, a, with an echo. But nonetheless, if you stick with us, it is a really good interview. You still can hear everything Tony says, and you're not going to want to miss it because it's Tony Deppin. And everything we talk about from when we last talked to him against Alex Zane at the 4th of July backyard show that basically broke the internet with both of those guys to all the way up to now in Ring of Honor and Tony going for that TV title for Ring of Honor. So you're not going to want to miss it. I hope you stick with us. Bear with us. It is still a very good interview, very good conversation, not an interview. Um, and we hope you enjoy our 200th episode. Also, make sure you stick towards the end. Don't, don't just stop and don't listen once we're done, because at the end there's a special surprise, uh, video or audio, whatever way you want to watch or take in our show. We have some former guests, a couple surprises, so definitely stick around to the end of the show after we get done with Tony, and make sure you catch that. Other than that, Again, thank you to anyone and everyone that listens to us here at Brotherly Love Wrestling. We really appreciate it. 
We have fun doing the show. We hope you have fun listening to us because if we didn't get to do this show, it I don't know what we would do. Well, we would still sit and watch wrestling and talk about it anyway. But you get to join us. So thank you once again. We love all of you that listen. And now, please enjoy our 200th episode with our guest, Mr. Tony Deppin. Welcome, everybody, to Brotherly Love Wrestling, our 200th episode. And our guest today is Mr. Tony Deppin. Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me once again. This is the second time I've been on it. And the second time I've been on here, it's the 200th episode. So. Yeah. Be interested to see if you were actually number 100, too. You were probably pretty close. <laughs> so, for 300 and 400, we expect to have you back, even though you'll probably be well on your way to uh, big time in us. Uh, who knows, by the, I don't know. With how this world's going, who knows what's going to happen. That's, that's, a good, that's a good starting point. Yeah. Pandemic wrestling and the atmosphere and how it kind of affected everybody that you noticed. Because, I mean, it pretty much stopped everything for a little bit. I mean, I know some of the bigger companies found a way to work around it, but for the most part, the independency kind of stopped. Like, how was that when the pandemic hit? Because you had just quit your shoot job, quote-unquote, and you were wrestling full-time, and then this hits. What was the mindset? Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't really know what was going on because, like everyone, still to this day, we don't really know much about COVID. Uh, so all this stuff was coming out, and I could just see the writing on the wall that things were going to shut down really soon. And I'm thankful that, you know, I saved the least amount of money that I was making because I was wrestling like four or five times a week, every week for six months. So, like, I had a good, you know, safety net behind me. It just came at a really poor time because I literally quit my job in September and then March. They're like, hey, guys, we can't wrestle anymore. And uh, it, it's not, it wasn't the smartest idea, but I, I took out all my 401k because I didn't have a lot to begin with. Like, I had maybe like $10,000 nestled in my 401k, so I just took it out anyways. Because I, I did have like 20, but the stock market was taking a plummet during the entire weeks leading up to shutdown. And I was talking to my personal accountant I had, and he's like, Tony, just, just take it out. And he's like, you're losing way too much money. This is ridiculous. Like, just take it out. He's like, Restart again after all the stuff that happens. So there's my safety net. To, there's my second safety net there to keep you know afloat. That I didn't have to worry about it because I didn't want to go out and you know get. I didn't know anything about this virus. You know, I, I didn't know ways to contact or ways to prevent yourself from it. So I just I stood. In, I sat in my house, which was terrible. Did a lot of drinking. <laughs> well, we all did a little bit of that during that time. Whatever we could to pass the uh, the time because it it was it was. Odd. It was just like very because everything had. We were literally at what, what was it? Elimination Chamber. Yeah. That Friday or that Saturday, Sunday mm-hmm. before everything shut down. Like there was no one. There was no like real whispers about anything at that point. And then that next week, everything was done. Yeah. So we literally saw like the last WWE show that was going on, and then everything shut down. We were just like, what the hell? And then following through the indies and nothing was going on and people were trying to figure it out look when we get a time frame we're gonna we're gonna try and run shows and then the summer hit and things started to pick up a little bit and people figured out how to run shows outside safely and then it got cold again and there was more shit that was happening but we'll fast forward past all that and get more current and kind of lighten things up for our two Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't want to be too depressing. Yeah. So, things start to open up, and you find yourself in a pure tournament in ROH. Now, we talked about your style last time you were on, and how you're kind of, you didn't really have a definable style. Now, how did that play towards a pure style? Like, did you ever think that you were going to be in a pure division for Ring of Honor? Uh, no, to be honest, because uh, I just never really... I, I, I never had a style about anything. Can you not play that, huh? Sorry. <laughs> You're good. Yeah. Completely understand. I had like, an identifiable style. I just kind of just like to wrestle. And before the pandemic shut everything down, I was asked to do the pure title or the pure tournament anyways because like I was friends with Gresham and uh, 
thou shalt not be named, you know, that no one works for Ring of Honor. He liked me too, so they brought me in for it. They were supposed to bring me in for it, and then everything got shut down. But it was just really weird because I never, uh, as an independent wrestling fan myself for the past 20 years, I never pictured myself wrestling in Ring of Honor. Hmm. Now, why is, why is Ring of Honor, why was that something that you didn't think you would be, be doing? I am a realist. I realize that I am not a big person. I probably never will be because, like, I, I can't gain weight. Like, it's hard for me to gain weight. Like, and I try. Like, I eat a decent amount. Like, I go to the gym every day. And, you know, I, I read comments where everybody makes fun of my size. So I just kind of was like, ah, I'll never make it to out anywhere. I'll never make a living off wrestling. I was just kind of doing this for fun and, and enjoying what I was doing and everything. Like, things slowly started clicking other ways. And I, 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 like, I always had uh, a bucket list of things to do. Like, one was, like, work with CZW. And, like, I felt that due to my size that CZW would be the pinnacle of where I end up. And that was it. CCW happened. I was like, well, I need another goal now. So I just kept set, setting all these goals and ended up in PWG. And then I was like, well, I, I'm at PWG. I was like, so now it's time to like maybe shoot for, for like Ring of Honor. Because I never wanted to work for WWE to begin with. So Now, you, you mentioned that you started having fun and you started like having more fun with it. Did that, did that help you gain more confidence? Like when you started the have more fun in wrestling? Did that help you gain more confidence and make it easier? Yeah, easily because uh, I remember uh, when I was just kind of running with it, that kind of like led to me to get any form of momentum. Uh, I was, I wrestled Kuma and like, I knew like to me, like I watched him for a really long time. So I was like, oh, it was really cool on wrestling. It was the first like name that I would say the name that I was wrestling. And I just went, I had a lot of fun, and his wife took me inside. She's like, Tony, I've never seen anybody wrestle Akuma uh, that I had no idea who he was, and they had so much confidence in themselves. I was like, I was just out there having fun. And when I started having fun, like, that's where things just kept getting better and better for me. So the second I no longer have fun with this, I'll probably be gone. Well, and that's, I think, the thing that, and when we had you on was the first backyard show on the July 4th, where you and Alex Zane completely broke the internet because everybody was talking about you guys and we happened to have you and Zane on back to back after that and honestly at least for me anyway it was the first time that you were put on my radar that I ever really seen you wrestle and got it and then the second from from walking out and being that that entrance and it, it immediately hooked me and then watching you wrestle and like just this workhorse didn't matter like you said no style but it was fun to watch you could tell you were having fun doing it and still translates now even in Ring of Honor, watching you wrestle, even though it has changed, you have morphed more towards the pure, still it, you can see the fun you have and how good you are at it as well. Yeah, uh, I know, because I, like I said, I read everything online, but I don't respond to anything. I just like to read and you know, uh, take, I try to take criticism and I always try to apply it to you know, make sure that I never hear that again. But like a lot of people are like, oh, his goofy ass faces, like Ring of Honor fans, like his goofy ass faces, I hate so much. I'm like, I'm not changing that. Like y'all can, y'all can blow at that point. That that's a mentality from like that from like the '80s and '70s. The facial expressions and the over exaggerated facial expressions don't ever change that because there's very few that still do that. And that's like one of those things where you can easily tell in a match, like, oh, he's in pain. Oh, he's not happy. Oh, he's kind of psycho. Like, those facial expressions that you give off, like, that's what you, like, you see, some people, like, will lock in and do it here and there, but I, I, I feel like that's one of those dying trends. Like, yeah, the facial I remember, expression. Uh, I did a uh, show at a brewery, and I had the owner attack me, and he hit me with a, a cookie sheet, and I did, like, a really animated cell, and I, I don't remember the, this. I think, I think it's like, like, like something like Barstool, like not, not not Barstool per se, but something that's very similar that has a lot of following and such like that. And like they got wind of it and they posted it and, uh, you know, people were shitting on me because like how animated my selling was. And then Stone Cold Steve Austin commented on it and said, 
I don't care what you guys say, but you got to give the guys props for trying. And I'm just like, I don't give a shit what anything. So from work, when I was working, they pulled me to the side. Like, yo, bro, you, I don't know you're this big in wrestling. You're on this, this, this site. I was like, I had no idea what that site is. Yeah, it's amazing what the internet will do for just anybody. And then, like, you can really skyrocket just from, as you already know, from just a clip going viral. Like, that, that's all it takes for someone to get noticed and then to progressively get more and more bookings and then you're seeing them more and more. Now, how does that, how does that translate for the younger generation, do you think? Like, like, for them to get noticed, is it easier for them now? Or do you think that they have to work harder? Because no, they, they have, have to work, work less now, but they, they want to they they do everything, everything under the sun. sun. Like, when, when I first started wrestling, wrestling, I started wrestling in 2009. 2009. Uh, uh, YouTube, YouTube was in, was in its infancy. infancy. Like, like, you couldn't post a video over 10 minutes or something like that. Um, we didn't have cell phones that we could record everything under the sun like we could, so we had to buy like a legit camera so we could uh, post our media because most companies weren't filming unless you would hire SmartMark Video, which most of the companies I work for didn't do that. Now, and also, like, uh, the, like we, I, my first like year was just uh, Battle Royal, so I never got any media out of it. And then these kids now, like, they have closed taping things where they could just, they could be tweet, they could be a year in the match and have a, a wrestling and have a full-blown match, and it's recorded. And now they can put it out there. And then you have, like, yeah, then, uh, like, IBT, uh, IWTB uh, gifts and stuff like that. It's so easy to get noticed really quick. Now, that, it's kind of like a double-edged sword thing because, like, then that's all they want to do. Like, they, they want to be a gift wrestler. They want people to recognize you just by that. And I feel like me not growing up in that time frame has helped me a lot and being able to have my style of wrestling still do, you know, cool. I could do cool moves, but I also had to learn how to work, like, in a wrestling ring, like, not just do moves. And that's very helpful to me. Like, since they're so focused on that, it kind of just puts them in that mindset when I had to focus on how to wrestle at the point, like in the beginning, because most people wouldn't even consider you even wrestle for five bucks if you couldn't wrestle. And I'm not saying you can't wrestle, but like, there are like a lot of them just like going gung-ho and just like they'll be in a multi-person matchup and just go bang, 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 bang. You don't know what can get out of them other than a couple gifts. You think that's hurting in a way? Oh, easily. Not a doubt in my mind. Like, because I think there are a lot of talented uh, workers out there right now. It's just they got caught into whether it's a deathmatch stuff or like a scramble match that they kind of just, that's what everybody knows them as. And then when they get booked, they're just in a scramble match. And then people are just like, well, I want to be able to show people what I can do more. It's like, well, you kind of put yourself into that little bubble. Now you were you were I don't know who said it or how many people have said it. You've been labeled the gatekeeper of the independence. Now, we <laughs> I can tell by your facial expression you know exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> so I want to do like a, a a flip of a typical question like who would you want to wrestle like like who are some of the up and comers that you think could go toe to toe with you and then can help flourish that you could help out a lot and you would mesh well with. Yeah, I feel like I've already wrestled like 90% of the kids that are up and coming. Like, um, I want to wrestle Braden Lee just because he was on my show that I had, and I thought he was like I, I enjoy his work, and I feel like there's a lot of potential there. Um, I wrestled Atticus Kogar because I I watched him in a regular or sort of kind of regular match for a little bit, and then it kind of broke down to like weapons, and he like really good, and I was just like why? And I turned to Ricky, I was like, why the hell is he? Constantly like, bleeding. I was like, he could go. And he's like, I don't know, man. I there's a few people I like to rework. Like I'd like to uh, rework uh, Moriarty, uh, Daniel Garcia, uh, Jaden Newman. I'm trying to really think of all these people out here. Like, I don't feel like I have an mate. Like I don't. I'm not because I feel like I'm not gonna say that because it kind of comes off as rude, but. I'd, I'd like, like to, to work, work with Ninja, Ninja Mac. That I just saw him do GCW stuff because he does the most insane shit. And I just feel like 
I'd, met, I'd be able to help them to like develop a mind to place his stuff better because he does some insane shit. He'll, he'll be, he's like this generation's Jack Evans. He's great. And I'm like, I was like, man, somebody just needs to work with him that knows what they're doing and be like, hey, maybe let's, let's sprinkle here instead of right there. Like, and that's what, that, that helped me a lot when I started uh, wrestling with bigger names. They'd be like, that's a really good idea, Tony, but can we take that here and put it right here instead? And I'm just like, shit, I didn't think of that. You know, so like, I feel like it'd be beneficial, like, a, like me working all these kids, not because I know everything in the world, because I don't know a lot. Like, I'm still learning, I'm still training. But, but like, like I have I a better idea where to place, place things sometimes. sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hit or miss, but I feel like I, I have a lot to offer with some of these kids. Now, is, it, is that common? Is there a lot of people that are like you that are passing the torch, so to speak, and passing knowledge and helping the youth? There, like, I know Dickinson's really big into it. Um, Wheeler Yuta, which I'd like to wrestle him again. I, I always like wrestling Wheeler. I think he is. Probably, Probably the best wrestler. wrestler. Oh, he's on, he's on our topic list. He's, mm-hmm. You and him have a, a slight history as a masked wrestler. Yes. Yeah. And we already had heard his sto- side of the story. Mm-hmm. But like, like, uh, there are, like, like, I was, I was talking, talking to, to RSP about this and Dickinson, Dickinson because, because oh, we're, oh, and Ricky, yeah, yeah Ricky's, Ricky's a great person. That he loves helping people. And uh, it's our opinion, so I don't hope, I hope people don't take this and think, we're trying to gatekeep or anything, but um, we feel like kids coming up today, like they're asking us for advice, but not because they want to, because they feel like they have to. Like they feel like it's like that thing that you you're supposed to ask the guy that's been there before you for help and to watch your match. And I don't want them to do it just because they think they have to. I want them to like genuinely be like, hey, I, you know, I'd like to learn. And there are there are many guys out there do that because. I'll give them advice and I'll watch the next match. like, oh, they did exactly what I said. And then Ricky, Ricky will say the same thing. Is there somebody he, he was talking to, like, because he thought this kid's just asking for advice for the sake of doing it, because he has to. And he gave the guy advice. Next show, the guy did exactly what he said. Ricky's like, okay, I respect him a lot for that. Hmm. Hmm. That's real good. Right, baby. Son's going to sleep. <laughs> so, like Joe said and brought up, um, another thing that happened since we last talked was the mass wrestler. Probably my favorite thing to come out of COVID wrestling, quote unquote, and uh, a weekly watch. Something I could not wait to for it to come on, and I can't wait. Hopefully, for another season to come up. And uh, how was it? And everything in going into it, and trying to guard what people knew about you and, and the style or lack in, in your opinion, lack thereof your style that, uh, that way they couldn't tell that it was you and they were underneath the mask. Well, first of all, it was miserable as hell. <laughs> it was like, I think they filmed it in like July. Oh, no, August. Because I remember, uh, it was right after, I want to say it was right after Ring of Honor or right before because Wheeler was obviously there at both of them. And I just remember talking about it. But um, it was middle of August and it was like 95 degrees out and it was in a warehouse. So it was like 100 degrees plus and I was wearing a mask for the first time in a full body suit. And I was like, holy hell, like it's so hot and sweaty. Like each time the, mat- the matches would end, I, the second I'd roll out, I'd just take my mask off. He's like, nah, I'm, like, I'm done. Like, this is <laughs> and like, trying to hide my identity. Like a lot of the things, I don't even remember what I said really. I think a lot of, I think most of it was fake that I even said like the three truths about, or two truths and one lie. I'm pretty sure all of them were fake. Cause I couldn't think, to be honest. And like the style, I, I saw somebody like, oh, that was Tony Depp. And, and I don't feel like it was because of my style, it was because of the way that I move in the ring. And that was my problem. Like, I can't change how I move in, my, in the ring. Because I've been wrestling my style, my, my rhythm, I'd say. I've been doing it for so long, that's just how I'm always doing it. There are some people that I watch that you could tell instantly because of the way they wrestled, they didn't change it. I tried not to do a single move that I did, that I did normally, until the last match with Wheeler. Then I started, like, right before the end of the match, when we were getting ready to go home for the match, I was like, hey, let me throw, like, 
like you know, like one of my moves in here. So then people were just like, I think I know how it is because we didn't allow the guest to judge uh, to guess me. So now was that completely blind for the judges as well? Um, I, they knew who was there, but they didn't know who was under each hood. I know that for a fact. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're, they're there as long as we were, but like we got dressed in the back, so nobody knew who they were. Who was who? Huh. That's pretty cool. Now, coming out of it, you worked an angle with Wheeler, where what you probably would have thought would have happened in reverse. I think I would have pictured you hitting him in the balls, but what ended up happening was a low blow from Wheeler. You get a kind of more badass Wheeler, I would want to say, more of a heel. Now, was that something you you guys talked about, or is that... Was it because it, it plays out even longer? Because now it, we once beyond wrestling opens back up and and you guys are together again. He ends up going two zero on your nuts. Yeah, um, I, I, don't I don't remember the exact, exact premises. Premise, but I know they said they, they wanted, wanted to cheat or whatever, and it was just like, well, let's do this. So we did that, and like, and I loved it because I think the world of Wheeler and. Uh, I think he's fantastic in the ring. And the only thing he's ever lacked was the personality. And the second he like did that, and then at the end of The Masked Wrestler, where I chased him off, he was firing. And I was like, I pulled, like, I pulled him aside after. I was like, bro, I was like, you just showed so much personality. I was like, you need to keep doing this. And that's something that happened to me many years ago. I was just going nuts, like screaming and stuff. And then Joey Nell is like, Tony, you're showing so much personality, but continue to do that. And that's when things started clicking for me even more. Well, I'll tell you what, it was one of the most memorable parts of Mass Wrestler, um, as great as it was, that that one one moment really sticks out. And into Ring of Honor now, uh, you are in line, at least in the top five, for the TV title. And with some names like a Brian Johnson, Dragon Lee. Uh, going forward, I mean, how do, how do you think you can climb the ranks to get to that number one spot to get that title shot? Well, by winning, obviously. Well, yes, of course. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but is there, like, um, how, what the hell am I trying to say this? It's not fun, is it? No, it's not. Not you when never, I forgot what I was going to say. You never helped me when I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> no, as far as, like, um, is there an actual, like, bracket? There's not, like, a bracket or anything, right? They ju- are just basically setting up matches? Well, no, they based off, say, like, you're number one. You're, like, you're you're the number one contender. You yeah. lose, you, you, you get dropped down. And if I win, I'm in the second spot, then that means I go to number one. Okay. So I can keep winning. Yeah. Like, it's real beneficial to me that like all those guys, they're signed. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I keep wrestling. I've been rest. I've wrestled more times than mo- almost ninety percent of the roster. Like there are some guys that continue to do like you know New Japan and such things, but like none of them wrestle as much as I do. So the ring rust for me, like it doesn't really exist. Like when I wrestled Dragon Lee at Final Battle, uh, I was his first match in like eleven months. So. So, I mean, the one thing that a lot of people get, or at least talk about when it comes to Ring of Honor is um, the heel that that Brian Johnson is, and he really is hated, like, a lot. Like, I've never seen a guy so hated. It's probably legitimate. <laughs> and I, I look at you in the way that you can get that same reaction, and I haven't seen it on that level yet, at least in Ring of Honor anyway. Um, the matchup between you two, going in there against Brian Johnson, the styles that you guys going up against each other, how do you, how do you go into that match against a Brian Johnson like that with the, the way he is? Oh. I have way more experience than Brian, mm-hmm. and it's not, and it's not really because he's been in Ring of Honor for so long. Like I have way more experience than my. I've traveled the entire country and all this world too. I was supposed to go to. Uh, um, the UK for an entire month before COVID shut everything down. So like, like I have been grinding in wrestling for a really long time. Like I wrestled the best of the best all over. He 
he was under PJ Black's pretty much like umbrella there for a while. So like I have like the experience and I have the amount of matches way more than him. Like I, I'm firing on all cylinders and he's still trying, like he's got the, uh, the part of people hating him down to a T that is for a fact, but he's still trying to develop himself in the ring. Like what, what is Brian Johnson in the ring? So like, will it happen? Uh, I imagine because we're both like, I think he's like fourth and I'm, second something like that for the tv title and like you're asking like about like the personality of me coming out that people see all over that'll come with time like right now there's no fans like yeah, yeah. like and it's and then you're in this giant arena under these lights and all you hear is caprice and ian and it's kind of hard to like be like animated yeah yeah you're just like uh like you can only be so much until like until you get that energy from the crowd and what you felt because you you've gotten the re- you wrestle on the independence still and you've gotten the felt the feel the live crowd like what was what was that like I'm gonna bring it back a little bit what was that like for the first time again hearing the crowd noise like did that were you were you adrenaline at a hundred that first show back was I was just like like it felt because it was limited so I was just like I I felt it but I didn't feel it. Like I don't feel like I have felt much of it, and minus the last GCW show at um, the Showboat, because there are more fans there, and I saw Nick Gage do his entrance, and the fans were like jumping on, dog piling on, and I'm just I like I forget who I turned to. I was like, that's the most normal I've ever felt in the past like, year and a half. And I'm hoping that uh, the next GCW show, the fans are just as rabid. Like, and then like when I come out, I'll, I'll like give me a peace of mind, I guess, with uh, the way that I feel like I could just soak it all in and just be back to who I was. Like, I feel like I've been slacking a little bit, and, and I don't know where it's coming from, but it's like, I think it's just that I don't feel the crowd, because like, there's like, you're, we went from wrestling in front of 500 people, like 60 people. Yeah. You know, it's kind of disheartening. Yeah, I mean, not being one that has ever done what you do, but I can imagine that that's a part of normalcy that is probably lacking the most would be fans at 100% capacity or even 50 to 80% capacity because, I mean, that's what you're there for. I mean, you're there to have fun and whatnot, but you're there to entertain the fans. And that's like the main goal when you guys go into it and girls. So. Yeah, that's, and and then you have like, you have fans there, but like maybe they feel like, hey, let's not go as wild because, you know, COVID's going on. We don't want to get out of hand. And the people on the internet see those people getting out of hand. Like, get close to each other. Everybody's going to fucking go nuts. Oh, how dare that person go close, you know. We're grown adults and we're making decisions and we're trying to be as safe as possible. But sometimes that's not good enough for people. No, I mean, once they called wrestling fans fickle, once Daniel Bryan said that, I think it clicked for a lot of people. And it was just like, holy shit, he might be on to something. Yeah, like, like people were complaining about uh, the collective last week, and all that. Which stuff. was amazing, by the way. It was. What? Which was amazing, by the way. That was very fun to watch. Like I, I, I don't get it because you know the, the Texas Rangers poured forty thousand people into the stadium, and people kind of just blew it off like it was nobody's business. Sports teams are constantly filling things again, but a little independent company. Br- puts 300 people in an in outdoor event in a parking lot and everybody has to chastise everybody. It's like we're grown adults, we've made decisions and if something happens and we have to live with our decisions and that's what it is. And like, no, I, I, I made those decisions and like I have a wife and a son. Do I want to do it all the time? No, it's not something I like doing. I don't like traveling. But I understand that, like, when I, like, Brett never forced me to go down there. Neither did IWTV. They asked me, like, hey, Tony, are you, do you want to come down? And I made a grown decision or grown adult decision to go down there on my own. So if something happened to me, then that's on me. Do you feel like it was chastised because it was a GCW, um, I guess you would say, highlighted event? Because I know it was the collective but GCW is the main name that's on there. 
So do you think that's that's why it was chastised more? Easy. Because WrestleMania had 25,000 people, and people just kind of... I didn't see many tweets about that. No, everyone was happy. Everyone was happy that WrestleMania had fans. Like, uh, people can say what they want about uh, GCW and Brett, but uh, uh, he has given me the ability to not have to go back to work in the past year and a half, because I was thinking about just saying screw it and go back to a normal job, but my wife told me not to, and then, like, GCW started running a little bit more, and, you know, Brett was taking care of me as best he possibly could. So, like, it's so, like, I, I, I can't, I, I can't sit there and bash him for that. Like, we, we, I mean, we ha- like, what, what did somebody want me to do? I was denied unemployment because, uh, like, I'm an independent contractor, even though the fact is I, I've been working since I was 16, and I'm going to be 33 next week, so, like, but I was denied unemployment because I quit a job and like not my problem. And I called and tried to get it to for somebody to, to do something for me so I could get unemployment. And they're like, no, not our problem. So like, I took out my four. Okay, what the, I, what what do people want from me? You know, hmm. they want to judge from their ivory tower. Pretty much, like I uh, I was thinking about just working and stuff like that, but then. I'd be away, like I'd be out in public for five days. You know, con- like like say if I worked at a grocery store, five days seeing people, thousands of people every day. Mm-hmm. Or I could continue wrestle where I wrestle. I was wrestling maybe three times a month. You know, in front of seventy-five, hundred people, and just take my risk there because I'm taking a risk. You want to go outside? Take a risk wherever people you go. Are gonna probably if, if they listen to this, think I'm an idiot. And stuff like that, but at this point, like I did, I get COVID. Yes, that was all on me, and it wasn't on anybody else. So, I mean, you are one of the many that have gotten it, but I mean, we're thankfully still okay. I mean, you could get it anywhere. You 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 could have literally gotten it from anything. Exactly. Everybody. Uh, the first collective in Indianapolis, people were shitting because I, that's where I got COVID. So I got COVID when I was in Indianapolis. I drove home nine hours with four other people, and not one of them got COVID. I got—I already know where I got COVID from, and I went to White Castle with somebody, and I was in a car for 15 minutes. Fucking White Castle. Yeah. So, like, it, it just really, like, it just... You can get it anywhere, or you could be next to somebody that has it and you don't get it. Like it just, it just depends. And, and I'm not trying to, you know, make the virus seem less threatening because I never wish it upon anybody if they actually had like serious symptoms. Because I, it, it destroyed me. Like I couldn't move. I was, I, I have a full couch and I slept there for like five days. And then the lingering effects was they were much worse as well. I still can't taste or smell. It's been six months. Ah, that's insane. Well, let's go to probably probably the best news that you've had, and that's that you're a new dad. You had your first kid. So congrats, first of all, because we haven't seen you since then. Mm-hmm. And how is it do, going through being a professional wrestler and doing everything you're doing while still trying to be a father and be there and not miss uh, too much uh, of everything that's going on? Uh, it's uh, a pain in my ass, to be honest. Because I had, like, I was supposed to be at Beyond when they had Uncharted Territories back. I think that was, or whatever show they just had on a Thursday. And my babysitter bailed last minute, so I had to pull from the show. Like, and I feel like that's going to be a, a common thing that happens. And it, I feel like I probably will uh, get passed up for some bookings because people don't even want to even attempt it, and it does happen. Like, it's already, ha- I already know, like, a major company hit me up about wrestling for them. And I was like, hey, that's the week of my son's born. Like, okay, we'll hit you up again in the new year. And they, they haven't even reached out to me because I, I couldn't do it. So, like, it is what it is. Like, I, if uh, somebody doesn't want me to wrestle them because I'm more concerned about my son, then I don't really give a shit about them. It's simple as that. Because my wife and my son mean more to me than anything. So, that's... Like why I like I, why I bust my ass in wrestling is because of them. So if you're gonna be like, well, 
not going to use you now just because you had a kid and we're not sure if you're going to be able to come because if something might come up, it's a, it's a kid. Things come up. Yeah. 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 Then, then chances are I don't really want to be around you. I want to be around people that are nice and that are thoughtful. And Understanding. Wrestling and finding that is a very hard thing to do, but hey, they're out there. Mm-hmm. Is that more, can you find it more nowadays rather than when you first started? Oh yeah, like, easily. That's for sure. Most of the time, I knew guys in my wrestling circle back in the day that uh, the one guy missed his the birth of his daughter because he was doing an indie show for like 20 bucks, 50 bucks, something like that. And I was just like, not a fucking chance. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I couldn't imagine, honestly. I couldn't imagine for $50 missing yeah. my not, daughter's Not a chance. Like, the one co- when the company hit me up, it was like the day that my wife was going to be induced. I was like, not a chance. There's really, I mean, it's really a, a one answer. Yeah, <laughs> it really yeah. is. So if you're if you're a wrestler and you're really gonna like say and really contemplate going to miss or going to a wrestling show to miss your child's birth, you're an idiot. <laughs> like there are plenty of opportunities out there. Uh, and if somebody doesn't want to give you the opportunity because of that, then they're not really well worth. They're not worth working for. Simple as that. Now, did this did this change your goals at all? Did this kind of like heighten or put anything above anything else? Did this put something that wasn't maybe in reach for you make you work harder for it? No, because uh, leading into the pandemic, uh, I was working with Ring of Honor. I was getting ready to work with Ring of Honor. And my goal was to be signed with them. Like, I thought, like, I was going to work for them in, like, I think it was, like, April I was working for them. And then by, like, August I'd be signed. I was like, it's great. You guaranteed money, et cetera, et cetera. Pandemic was laughing at me for that and then shut everything down. And now coming out of it, we're not, we're not out of the pandemic, but, you know, things are a little bit looser. And, you know, and then with, the, with my son, like, I still want work to work with Nirvana. To make a make a guaranteed money, and the I think the only thing that may have changed is like, like I want it more now. Like I wanted it, don't get me wrong, but now I'm just like this is like I have to make sure this happens because I I don't want to go back to the way I was prior. Like I was making a living off of wrestling, but I was gone four days a week, and I, that's not what I want. I don't want that in my life. I, I want to be home with my family. I want to watch my son walk. I want to watch him roll over. I want to talk, listen to talk. You know. And Ring of Honor gives you a better opportunity to do that. Exactly, and that's why I, like, I'm in, I still work with them frequently. Like, I literally thought it was gonna be a one-off thing when I did the Pure Title tournament because I was like, I didn't feel like my performance was up to par. And I was like, well, you know, looks like I'm probably gonna go back to a normal job one day, or maybe go back to doing this indie thing so much. Which, you know, like, I love. It was a lot of fun because I got to see the world. But at the end of the day, I want to be home to, you know. One, I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home dad, you know, so I watch my son, and daycare's too expensive, and so is babysitters. But I also just wanted to be home and just watch him grow up. I had a question. Now I forgot it. Damn it. <laughs> Serves you right. <laughs> well, I mean, you did say about goals. Now, and you're, you said that you wanted your, right now, obviously, your goal is to get that guaranteed contract with Ring of Honor and, and be there full-time. Is there anything maybe bigger that you may see if that does happen? Maybe, or I mean, as of right now, you just kind of like where you're, where one, you would be at. One step at a time. My my goals are always one step at a time because I never know how the the goal may end up. Like mm-hmm. uh, when I got to CZW, I was like, for a couple seconds, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then I just kind of like it was I didn't I didn't like it, so I was like. Well, let's see what else out there. And like Shikara, and I did Shikara, and that was a goal too. And then I always want to wrestle in California. I did that. I'm just like so. Like my goals are just pertaining upon of like, or it's just like it, it pertains to like how I feel like about things. Mm-hmm. Like what I what I feel right now is I just want to make a living. I don't want to be famous. I want to make a living and just wrestle because I love it. Yeah, I remember uh, a guy. He uh, he works for Ring of Honor. And, uh, many companies were offering him, like AEW, WWE. They're all offering him a pretty substantial amount of money. 
And he just sat back and his decision making to stay with Ring of Honor was, I don't want to be famous. I just want to make a living. And that's why I stuck with Ring of Honor. He's like, I don't want to be one of those guys I'm like that has to like, you know, be on TV shows or something like that. He's like, I just want to, I want to wrestle for Ring of Honor and just be happy. Yeah, I mean, that's like the Rob Van Dam way of thought. I feel like the, I just, I just want to chill and have fun and just be there for the moment. I don't care about the added stress and all the flashing lights and all that type of shit. Pretty much, and like, uh, maybe, maybe when I get the Ring of Honor after I get a guaranteed contract, maybe my goals will change. I don't know, and I always that, that's why I never plan too far ahead. Because I'm not, I, like, like what if my goal, like, I was like, okay, I want to get Ring of Honor, I also want to work for WWE. But when I get the Ring of Honor, I'm just like, I fucking love it here. Like, I, like, I'm never gonna be like, well, I'm not, because like me being the person that I am, like, I'd be like, oh, uh, I am still gonna try to go to WWE once they offer me something, even though I could hate it. Yeah. But Ring of Honor, just, just because, because like my, that was my goal. So like I'll get to Ring of Honor and then I'll decide if uh, down the road I want to do something else like WWE, AEW or something like that. But where I sit currently, it's uh, I want to be at Ring of Honor and I would just like to wrestle there for the next couple of years. I honestly don't know what the fuck they're waiting for. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to ask me that, man. I mean, every single per- like all my friends, you know, in the wrestling world, are like. No, you're signed now, aren't you? Like, no. Like, what the fuck are they waiting for? It's like, fuck if I know. It's not like Sinclair Broadcast doesn't have the money. Yeah, what the fuck, Sinclair Broadcast? So it would be, are you and you know the only two that aren't signed that wrestle there? Yay, hi. Uh, Dickinson. Uh, Dickinson just showed up recently, too, right? Yeah. And you guys are, uh, I had it. Miles Unlimited. Yes. So you're in a faction in ROH. And you're not signed. How the fuck? Yeah. How the hell does that work? Listen, Listen that's, that's what I get, get from everybody. everybody. I was just like, I don't know. Like maybe you know, maybe they're waiting for a new quarter to start. I don't know. Like I'm not sure. Like I just take it every day at a time. Like I, I just like, I go there. You know, everybody's extremely nice. So I love going to the locker room. The locker room's very positive. Uh, like I, I do what I'm supposed to do, and I just take it take it one day at a time when I'm there. Hmm. It's interesting. I mean, I feel like you have to win the title now just to get the contract. They they have to get the game to that, right? <laughs> that would you you got unless you hijack their title, you pull yeah. Medusa. Yeah, if I because if, if I won the belt, like I would just take it to the indie shows. <laughs> you can't tell me I can't because one, I'm your champion. Two, I'm not signed. What what do I care? Yeah. <laughs> Make that money. <laughs> so do you have the other question? You good? Oh no, that was it. I said, "What the fuck were they?" Waiting? Oh, okay. That was okay. that was the question. <laughs> it was a rhetorical. <laughs> okay, that's why so, I forgot it. So, uh, Tony, um, we want to thank you so much for coming on and being a guest again, and uh, this time being able to actually see you and talk to you, and um, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Not a problem. Like I said, I, I normally uh, I I have way too many requests for podcasts, and I think the only reason I did do your guys is because one. I've done yours before. Two, you gave me a free shirt. <laughs> and like three, because I knew it wasn't going to be the same old questions, which I can't stand. So, I, like, I remember after the ring, the last Ring of Honor show when I debuted with uh, Brody and Homicide Dickinson, I had an influx of people like, podcast, podcast, and I just ignored them all. Dude, it's tough. The only time I did podcasts when I had to do... Uh, I did my mania show for Beer House. Mm-hmm. I made sure I did podcasts so I could uh, promote promote that, and I didn't want to do them. I haven't told him straight. I was like, "Listen, I don't like doing podcasts." I was like, "I just kind of want to promote my show," and I and I, and I thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to do that because, like I said, all these podcasts are always the same. It's always the same question. It's always the same. Well, who do you want to wrestle? Who do you want to do this with? Who do you uh, this that? And I'm just like, okay, it's all the same. I'm tired of it. <laughs> It's tough doing a wrestling podcast in this time because, I mean, there's there's so many. Mm-hmm. And, and there's more by day. I mean, some fall off. I mean, it's kind of like a, a circle of life type thing where one dies and one's reborn. You just have to separate yourself from each people. Like, I know there's a podcast. Uh, I did them to promote the Beer House show, and they're really cool guys. And it's like they want to actually, like, oh, we like to just have random conversations and not talk about wrestling. And then... 
my wife was in the background saying something about how she likes she always wanted to be on a podcast because she hates the fact that everybody asked me to be on a podcast but never her because <laughs> i like in my personal opinion because uh, it's a great idea she had uh, have a podcast where you interview spouses of wrestling or significant others of wrestling and get their perspective because it's always my perspective everybody knows my perspective yeah get a perspective of somebody that you know she's not a wrestler just but she has to deal with what i deal with but like they were saying that like they're like oh next time like when things settle down like you uh you and your wife could be on the podcast together and i was like oh that's going different i'll definitely do that but i'm like if they were just asking me questions to, on my wrestling, I'm like, nah, I'm good. But, you know, <laughs> that would actually be like doing, and that's different. That'd be interesting because I guarantee her opinion is complete, not completely different, but her viewpoint on it is probably more. She's not a wrestling, wrestling fan. fan. So, so there like, you go. Not different and just. Uh, she developed into one though, or no? Yeah, hit or miss. Like she could, she could watch it, but she's not like how I am or other people are. But like, it's more lines is like, just like getting her perspective on like, you know, you're, like your husband's constantly traveling. You know, he's you know sometimes he might be injured. Like the fear of things and this and that and this and that. Like I feel like that'd be such an interesting thing to hear from. But everybody just wants to talk to the wrestler. Like, I think my question would be, what the hell does his sleep schedule look like? <laughs> it used to be really bad when I was wrestling so much. Like, I would get, like, I remember right before I quit my job, I was wrestling about three or four times a week. And I would get home, like, Monday at 3.30 in the morning, and I had to work at 5.30 in the morning. So I'd be pulling in the driveway, just enough time to jump out, take a shower, get changed, go straight back to work. And I was doing that for a solid, like, four months, I think it was. And I wasn't sleeping, and then that's when she's just like, "You gotta quit your job. You gotta do one or the other." Yeah, you're gonna you tell me because <laughs> <laughs> you aren't gonna last like that. Wow. I, there, it, when I got the reason why she told me is because there's like a time like when I did something like that, I I was drinking like two of the biggest like Red Bulls you can you drink, and like I like and I was still tired. Like I was like, "I'm gonna crack," because I used to drive for a living. Like I'd work for Cintas and deliver stuff. Okay. And I was just like, I'm going to freaking crash this truck and die, probably, like, at this rate. Like, either I have a heart attack from all the caffeine I'm ingesting or just fall asleep behind the wheel. Yes. Wow. That is a podcast in itself. The yeah. independent wrestler and the energy drink. <laughs> I don't drink them anymore, actually, so. I had to stop, too. I fucking. I just, I just got sick of the taste, and I was tired of the way they make me feel, and, you know, I... I they're getting counterproductive. I drink a lot of water and drink beer, so. That's my diet, too. <laughs> that was my diet during um, quarantine. It was terrible. Yes. And you're big on craft beers, too, right? Yeah, so it, it, oh, it, it, that, that's going to be our next show. Yes, absolutely. We'll, we'll just drink and shoot the shit. Yeah, that's what I do. Normally, what I do to myself because uh, my wife doesn't stay up late like I do or drink, really. So that's a that's a good weekend show. Mm-hmm. That's a good Friday night when you got nothing else to do. So IPAs, what are you what are you what are you drinking now? Uh, I drink pretty much everything that you got. I, mainly IPAs. Like I'm actually opening a brewery like in a month and a half. So, really? Yeah. Man, we could have a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there are many layers to me. Like uh, that people don't that people tend to forget. Like because a lot of people know I'm in the beer, but then they're like, oh, yeah, you're opening a brewery. And, like, you can ask so many questions. I was like, yeah, we're already, like, two hours in this podcast, man. Like, I can't be, can't talk about beer then because I can talk about beer for hours. Dude, I built, I did the electric for about seven or eight local breweries around here. So. That's awesome. Which one? Yeah. Or what, name one, at least. I probably heard of it. Root Down in Phoenix. Oh, yeah, no, Root Down. Yeah, I went there. I was going there one time. That's in a, a Phoenixville? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I was going there the one time with my friends, and we rolled up, and there's no parking, and they ran in to have, like, two beers while I sat idle in the, the car. Dude, Phoenixville's, it's now cool. Now every time they go to uh, something about Root Down, they're like, yo, Tony, you really like that brewery, didn't you? I was like, yeah. I had to sit in the parking lot the entire time. There's no parking lot. It's just the street. Well, there was one. Oh, the thing. But, it, like, it held, like, eight cars or something. Yeah. Phoenixville's weird. It's cool. I mean, kind of, but it's definitely yeah. weird. But yeah, there was that one, Evil Genius. You hear that one? 
Yep, yep, they're, they're down, down in Philly, more Philly area, I think. Yeah, yeah. right in uh, Fishtown. They're the one with all the goofy names. Yeah. Like Ma the Meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, their beer's eh. Yeah, I, I, you know what? And I know the head brewer that's down there because, I mean, I worked hand-in-hand with them. And I never had the heart to tell them, like, dude, you, you're... It's that's the problem with beer. Like, there's a lot of breweries that, I, that I'm friends with, and they're like, oh, you know, here, have some beers. And it's like, ooh, this is... Yeah, what do you think of it? Oh, it's not too bad. Yeah. That's always my go-to if somebody asks me how beers are suck. Like, not too bad. I had a couple good ones from Conchahawken. Uh, I hate, my wife went to Conchahawken Brewery. I did not like it. No? terrible. This was like three and a half years ago or something like that, though. They just put out one. It was a Philly-based one. There was a couple. Oh, yeah, everybody always says they're in sports seasons. They always run with something. Like, uh, what the hell's her name? Did it, um... They're toward, I think... I think, I think they're, they're closer, closer to Phoenixville. Phoenixville. I can't remember their name, but it was like Philly Philly or some shit like that. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like That's who cares or something like that. You know? mm-hmm. That was, no, 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 that was by, that was uh, Bucks County. That was freaking uh, God, Broken Goblin. Broken yeah, Goblin, yeah. Goblin, yeah. They're, they're kind of shit, too. Yeah, they're not, they had one that was like a, it was like a blueberry-infused ale, and it was decent, but everything else was, the, the, and for the the microbrewers, they have to have the flavor. Yeah, it has to be, I don't know. Like my friends friend and I that are open the brewery, our thing is going to be uh, quality over quantity. So I just got a good hazy IPA from what was it Voodoo Ranger? That's always solid. Like that's always like a good domestic. Like a, to me, it's like a domestic beer because it's shipped all over the United States. Like that's a solid beer to drink, just like Sam Adams's hazy IPA because it's like it's na- it's mass distro, but it's it's drinkable. Yeah. I've had undrinkable uh, IPAs from breweries that have like a three barrel system, which is not a big system. You could barely, you could barely push it out to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we definitely, this definitely has to be another show. So yeah. at a later date, when this, when you open up, we're definitely going to have to talk all about this. Maybe the 300th episode. There you go. <laughs> so, Shit, by that time. <laughs> we might not be in existence anymore. <laughs> so, we Tony, be drinking. thank you again. Uh, we Especially because you don't do this very often. We really appreciate you coming on and talking with us. It means a lot. Not a problem, guys. Like I said, if it were anybody else, I probably wouldn't have done it. Thank you so much. All I right, kind of wish we would have went to the beer route. Uh, yeah. What did, yeah. What did we do wrong? <laughs> I don't know. But here's the thing. We'll suggest a beer to you, and you suggest one to us. And Oh, but I could say just a lot in the Philly area. Yeah. So. And you're, I know you're, list, you're, uh, you're what? Hershey is what they list you as, but... I'm not too far from there. I moved, I, I moved like, my wife and I bought a house, and we were like 20 minutes, 25 minutes from Hershey. Okay. So, And I've already been to almost all the breweries in the area. I've been to a lot in Philly, too, a lot in Pittsburgh. I meant like 100 and... 25 breweries I visited so far, or something like that. I don't know. Wow, well, was that just for research? Yeah, <laughs> mostly. That's what I did for my bachelor party. I went up and went to a bunch of breweries in Massachusetts. Oh, really? Nice. That's not a bad idea. Hmm. That's what I like to do in my free time. Beer snob. Yep. That's what my wife calls me, but I think snob because I'll drink anything. But beer snobs, we were like, they won't even drink Miller Lite. I'll gladly drink a Miller Lite because it's cheap. Yeah. You know, and normally that's what they're serving at weddings. So if it's free, it's for me. Yep. Well, you can drink about 20 of them. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Tony, thanks so much again, and uh, have a good night, all right? Thank you, you guys, too. All right. Talk to you later. Hey there, fans of Brotherly Love Wrestling. It is I, Vic Delicious, here today to wish congratulations to Larry and Joe on their 200th episode. Now... For those of us who were there at the very beginning, you would know how incredibly unbelievable it is that Larry and Joe have actually made it to 200 episodes. When I think back on those first episodes, it was rough. But we're not thinking about the past. We can only appreciate where we are and be thankful for the now. 200 episodes is a heck of an accomplishment. Congratulations. Larry and Joe, and all the fans of Brotherly Love Wrestling. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for producing the show that you do. I listen every single week, and I love it. Thank you, and I will see you guys when the time is now.
200 freaking episodes of the Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast. Two bozos from Philadelphia flapping their gums about pro wrestling this, pro wrestling that, and believe it or not, they've even had Philly's own, the Mecca here. So guys, congratulations for not fumbling over your words and getting kicked off the air in under 200 episodes. Let's see if you can do it for 200 more. Keep representing the city of Philadelphia, the city of the Mecca. Why I show the whole damn world why it's Mecca versus everybody. What's up, Larry and Joe? Congratulations on making 200 episodes. It's a huge accomplishment. From myself and everyone at Battle Club, just the biggest congrats. Thank you guys for everything you've done for us. I know New York and Philly don't get along when it comes to sports, but in pro wrestling, you guys have been amazing, and you've shown that all you do is show brotherly love, and we can't thank you enough. Once all this nonsense and craziness is over, we'll rock and roll and make magic in person. Thank you guys. Love you guys. Can't wait to be back on. Hey, everyone. Camp Leapfrog's Chris Levin here, and you are partaking in the Brotherly Love Wrestling Experience. Larry, Joe, we appreciate everything you do, and from our campground to yours, we hope you have a wonderful 200th episode, and here's the 200 more. Greetings and salutations. It's your man, CD, the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. And I want to take this opportunity to congratulate Larry and Joe on their 200th episode of their show, Brotherly Love Wrestling. I hope you guys have a great anniversary show. I hope you have another great 200 episodes coming in the future. And I hope all the fans of Brotherly Love Wrestling continue to watch and support the show on all the available platforms. Congratulations, guys. Here's to another great 200. SCU later. Yo, it is the real McCoy, J-D-X, Justin D. Xavier, and the D stands for dedication, because I appreciate, I admire, and I adore the dedication that my fellas over at Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast have, and I can't begin to thank you guys for the things that you've done for me in my career, and continue to do, by the way. So I appreciate you guys, and I say this. I say congratulations on episode number 200. Keep up the great work, fellas. This is the Karate Redneck, Cold Stone Tim Boston, saying congratulations to the Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast. You've made it to 200 episodes. Now, all you listeners out there, if you want 200 more episodes, give me a, well, yeah. Hey there, Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast. Bill Carr here, one half of Team Tremendous. So I want to congratulate you on 200 episodes. That's uh, pretty damn good. So I would have sent you this video uh, a few months ago, but um, I had several concussions and it slipped my mind. Uh, CT is a real thing, kids. Uh, take care of your heads and uh, don't do drugs, I guess. So, yeah, Brother Love Wrestling Podcast, here's to 200 more episodes, I guess, right? That's what they say. Cheers. What's going on, guys? Jossie here, giving you 200 reasons why you ought to keep listening to Brotherly Love Wrestling. Well, the only reason that matters is that right here is where you can hear the front man rock like nobody else. Hey, everyone, this is two-time guest Wheeler Yuta. I just want to congratulate you guys on 200 episodes. And fans, you are in for a treat because you're tuned in to Brotherly Love Wrestling. Hello, boys and girls. This is your old friend, RJ City. You know, Brotherly Love, the podcast, has been around for a little bit. And I not only want to commend them and salute them on 200 episodes of wrestling talk, to be honest with you, which is not that unique in the grand scheme of things, yet the consistency and the longevity is impressive. So impressive, in fact, that I want to look to the future and say, here is two, 200 more. Here's two 200 more. Not two 200, meaning 2,200. That would be a, a lot. That would be an incredible amount for anyone. I wouldn't even shoot for that. Just shoot for 200 more. You already did the first 200. Then you'll do the next 200. And then uh, I'll send you another message and say, great job on the 400. Here's the 400 more. And it'll go up exponentially like that. Uh, Larry and Joe, your, your chemistry is deniable. Oh, no, wait, it's undeniable. That's what I meant. And it reminds me almost, I think Larry and Joe, you know, the first thing that used to come to my mind would be Larry Fine and Curly Joe Dorita. It was a deep Stooges cut. But now it is you two. 
because you're in brotherly love. And that's what happens when people talk uh, about wrestling. And you can listen to Larry and Joe talk about wrestling whenever you want, really. You can listen to the first 200 episodes, and then you can listen to whatever else they put out, the upcoming episodes, available on all platforms. But don't listen to them on all platforms. Pick the platform of your choice, you know? And then listen that way. Shop around first. You haven't heard them before. They're available on all platforms, right? A variety of things. Although, even that, I doubt that claim. That's perhaps a deniable claim. All platforms? Really, Larry? You're on MySpace? I think not. You're on all major, wherever you get your podcasts. That kind of thing. There's a couple different places. Let's say, let's be generous. Let's say the majority of people listen through, like, five platforms. So everyone, if you want to hear this show, there's five possible platforms you listen to. So try them out. Maybe give like three minutes on each, you know, and see if you like the sound quality, the fast forward, the rewind button, the skip, the download, the whole shebang. And then after that, uh, you'll sit and think about it and look out the window and pick a platform of your choosing. You'll say, this is the best platform for me. And that's what you listen to Brotherly Love Wrestling on. <clears throat> if you want. I'm not the boss of you. What do you want me to say? <laughs>